Kemba Walker is an all-star starter. And let's ease up on Ennis Kanter, all right? Keith Smith joins me on the Friday Lockdown Celtics podcast. Millies, let's go. Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global but it got a local feel like the red line. The blue line. The green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime. And press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's. That's the best way. Melly. Happy Friday, and we are in Orlando, Florida for the Boston Celtics and the Orlando Magic on Friday night. And joining me, also in Orlando because he's from the Orlando area, Keith Smith, who you can see on Celtics Blog, on Yahoo. Where else can we see you, Keith? Uh, Real GM and, uh, let's see, Twitter a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Twitter.com. Yep, I'm on there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, man, so good to have you on the show. why don't we start with kind of like you're you haven't been on the show yet uh Celtics have gone through what they've gone through uh, I'm very interested to hear your take on kind of the struggles that they've had and and where you see them now yeah it's been really a roller coaster season so far they they did the rough opening night loss which obviously you know, of course sets everybody off in a panic and then they they rolled after that for a while hit a little bit of a rough patch as a couple injuries cropped up then got back on track another rough patch and and now these last couple of games couple 30 point blowouts and everybody's feeling good again so i for for me, they're better than I thought they would be, and I thought that they'd be pretty good. I thought that they'd be somewhere around third in the Eastern Conference or so. I just I felt that confident about the talent. I felt the locker room mix would be better, all those things coming into this year, and that's about where they sit. I think the difference is the East is a lot better than I ever thought it would be. I thought you know Toronto would slide back. I thought maybe Indiana might take a while to really get going, and, and Miami I thought would be pretty good but i didn't think they'd be quite this good and that's that's probably the bigger difference uh in the overall picture for me as far as kind of seeing where the celtics fall out because they've been really good it's just the rest of the teams in the east have been really good too yeah i mean you look at miami in second place right now game and a half ahead of the celtics at 31 and 13 i i'm with you i thought miami would be good i i would have if anything i would have expected this to be flipped although a game and a half anything could happen you know with, with that yeah. If and I, I said this with Chuck McKenney the other day, twenty nine and fourteen for the Celtics, um, fourth place within a game and a half of second. If this was the deal going into this road trip, I would have said, yeah, before the season, I totally would be okay with it. Uh, this would be, yeah, whatever it is. However, we got here, cool. You just got Kemba Walker as an all-star starter, and you're looking at Jason Tatum and maybe Jalen Brown as potential all-stars. Yeah, sign me up. Yet, in the midst, in the you know, putting everything under a microscope, it's the feeling is like kind of dread through the through the <laughs> beginning of January. So, 
Yeah, it's it's weird. I think, you know, it's one of those things. I go back almost remember a couple of years ago, Gordon Hayward snaps his leg in half and then the team proceeds to win. Was it 16 straight games, 17, yeah, whatever yeah, it was yeah. this year? Fortunately, nobody got seriously injured, but then they lose opening night and then they rip off a 10 game win streak. And I think that really got people's expectations way too high for what this this team could be. And then it was lose a couple, win four in a row, lose a couple, win five in a row. And yeah. that's. That's kind of, kind of where they've become. And it was that, and then the fact that over the last couple of weeks before these blowouts, they were, they were playing like crap. Even the games they won, they weren't very good. And I think that was where the fan base had kind of said, all right, so maybe this team, we did overrate them. And there was a lot of, well, they had an easy schedule. And I think that overlooked, they went on a West Coast trip already. They, they, they haven't really had the easy schedule that people are making it out to be. And, you know, and then losing three to Philly, that doesn't help because that's kind of now the right. new rival. So, you know, all, all around, I think, I think the, the, the highs are really, almost way too high it's really what brad stevens said right something along the lines of you're never really as good as it seems and you're never as bad as it seems and you're never far from either right and and i think that's really true it really is it does sum up this team extraordinarily well um because i think when they play their best they can be so good and so yeah what when you see a team playing that you say ah well when they when they're all on it boy, that team can be scary. And then you look at them not be on it, and you say, well, well, what, what are you doing? All, all you need to do is try, and yep. better things are going to happen, yet here you are kind of not trying, it seems. And I, I, I've tried to express this to uh, on this podcast a million times. It's just so hard. It really is hard for, te- for, for guys to get up and, and literally to try every day and I know the reaction is, well, they get paid so much money, you have to try every day. But no one, no matter what job you do, there's always a day when you walk into the office like, well, screw today. I'm going to be on Twitter all yep. day <laughs> pretending to work. And, yep. you know, like that's that's just human nature. So, but here we are, the fans, they want to know what can be done. What What's next? We're right there. You're a cap guy. People ask me all the time. I've got like, I'm in between like you and not cap guy. So, <laughs> uh, can you kind of explain what the Celtics truly honestly have as far as what can they do as far as a buyout market? What's the impact and then having to waive somebody? Let, let's start there. Yeah, so if you want to start with the buyout market, it's really pretty cut and dry. The only thing that they can offer is is minimum contracts for the rest of the season. They don't have any kind of exceptions left. They they only had the room exception. They used that to sign Ennis Cantor. And then everything else was was cap space. Once they used every dime of that, and they used every dime of it, then it was it was into to minimum deals and the like to fill out the roster. So so whatever they're gonna do, there, there's no disabled player exception that that's a good thing because that means nobody's out for the season right um this time around so there's not going to be a big greg monroe five million 
million dollar deal coming or anything like that. And then roster space, yeah, they're they're at a full roster. They've got 15 standard contracts, and they've got, all 15 of those guys have played a role at some point in time or another, or are a young player that's locked in for the next you know two three seasons. It's it's easy to say like, well, just cut Carson Edwards. Well, you saw something in Carson Edwards because you gave him three guaranteed years on his contract. You, you, you know, I've heard recently, well, just move on from Vincent Poirier. Okay, but that's, you know, two years uh, at, you know, 2.5 this year, 2.6 next year, fully guaranteed. E- even lately, Brad Wanamaker just cut him. Well, Wanamaker's <laughs> been a big part of this team right. for a lot of the years. So he was playing well during not... all of that good stuff. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, th- I think it, again, another guy who was like, people were loving on this guy. And then when he didn't keep up this, you know, uh, top reserve play, it was like, well, I mean, in the, at the end of the day, he's Brad Wanamaker. There's a reason why it took him five or six years to get to the NBA right, in the right. first place. So, yeah, so that's the tough thing there. There's no easy path to create it. Now, what could maybe happen is maybe they do a smaller two for one deal where, where we can probably get into that. And I'm sure we will that if they want to bring back any kind of salary, they're going to have to put, put multiple players together to make that happen. So if you're doing that and it's returning less players, well, that opens up a roster spot. Now it's there. And then, and of course, if there's somebody great, like say, uh, you know, not a great player, but a great fit, like, like a Tristan Thompson, I'm sure you get that name thrown at you five million times a month, as do I. Well, yeah, you're going to find a way, right? If that means Javante Green's going to go or, you know, um, you know, uh, Carson Edwards has to go, something like that. All right, well, maybe that is the direction you ultimately have to go in. Because if that's, if you think that's the difference between a good deep playoff run and not, well, then maybe you swallow hard and make that move. But right now, there's just not an easy path to get there. Yeah, that, that's, I'm, I just wanted somebody else to say that exact thing. So another <laughs> voice on this podcast just explains that it's not easy. I've been, uh, talking about like my, my dream scenario and, and as far as like realistic dream would be a Poirier, Ojale and a pick for, uh, Bielitsa in Sacramento. Not that he's even available, but like that type of two for one move that sure. you're talking about. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you that that I I, I kind of throw the I, I say there's three B's out there that all make roughly the same money that all three of them make a ton of sense for the Celtics. Nemanja Bielitsa, um, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, his teammate out there in Sacramento or Davis Bertans. Yep. They all make roughly the same amount of money. Easy to 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 make moves for any of the three. And yeah, and you could or not easy to make moves, but easy to match salary, I should say, as far as. Yeah, it's Poirier, Edwards, Ojale. You know, that gets you there. You're, you're where you need to be with that. And you're not really giving up anybody who's a huge part of the rotation, although Chevy Ojale more recently, and sure. he's actually starting to play better. Um, but you know, that, that's a chance you take to make that upgrade. And then, yeah, and then you free up a roster spot or two. And then if, you know, guys shake loose on the buyout market, you're positioned there because what the Celtics are now to sell. They can't sell money, so no one's coming there for that. It's going to have to be we're contending. We're 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 making a title run here, you know. So join up and you know be our PJ Brown, right. uh, as as he was, you know that title run. Yep. So that that's in a nutshell the scenario there. Uh, if people could bet on that, uh, my money would be on that type of move. But there are a ton of other things people can bet on. If you're a fan that knows football well enough to choose any game and just call the winner, then you can go to my bookie. That's the place because they let you turn your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet between football season and 
coming to a close with the Super Bowl, NBA, and the start of college basketball. It's time to get off the sideline and get into the action with my bookie. If you like a, a little bit, if you like to bet a little bit to win a lot, you can play a parlay and bet a couple of the big favorites this week. And the parlays were perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, my bookie will let, will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. So if you deposit two thousand dollars, you get an extra one thousand in free money to play with. That's like winning a bet right away. So just use the promo code Locked On NBA at mybookie.ag to activate the offer. Once again, that's the promo code Locked On NBA take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So before the break, we talked a little bit about trades and Everybody's looking for upgrades, and one of the upgrades that is is thrown out there is at, at center. It's and I just want to throw out by the way, we talk about like Poirier and just get rid of Poirier. It's kind of like the same thing that people were saying about Daniel Tice a couple years ago. Like ah, yep. he's useless, and then you let him grow in the system. And and what what's Poirier making? Like a couple million bucks? Like yeah, two point five this yeah. year. Yeah, so like that's low money for a guy that you can kind of keep and develop that maybe, maybe he just kind of fills in a role behind Daniel Tice. And maybe it's not now, but Daniel Tice took a couple of years. Maybe Vincent Poirier takes a couple of years. You've got Cantor in there now. If he opts in, you've got him next year. If he opts out, then you figure something else out. Hopefully Robert Williams gets gets healthy, but I think there's there's a reason why they signed Poirier, and there's evidence that guys coming over from Europe take a little bit of extra time, and mm-hmm. you 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 have him on almost no money. I mean that's that's a cheap like veteran minimum contract type of type of deal. So I don't see the reason to just jettison him right away. But the Celtics fans want an upgrade. Ennis Cantor's like the lightning rod. And <laughs> I, I today on Twitter, on Thursday, I see another debate raging. He sucks. No, he's good. He sucks. No, he's good. Uh, I think he's okay. Like, And that's fine for a guy making, like you said, the room mid-level exception. What more do we expect from a guy making that kind of money? So, I don't know. What, what's, what's your take on the... And his canter experience so far. I think overall with all NBA players, we focus far too much on what these guys can't do versus giving them credit for what they can do. And, and I, I, I think of that there. I could give you, we could spend the rest of the night going through examples and, and there's just so many of them. And I think in a case of Cantor, people get into, he sucks on defense. You know, he, he can't do this. I've, I've even heard he can't, he doesn't fit cause he can't step out and shoot, shoot three pointers. Well, 
I mean, this guy is averaging 8.2 rebounds in only 18 and a half minutes a game. That's ridiculous. Right. He's shooting 60% from the floor. You know, and, and, and I know there's a, you know, whole running joke and I've made him too of, oh, look at Cantor padding his stats by blowing, blowing an assist and missing a layup. <laughs> Brad Stevens made that joke too. So <laughs> yeah, but that, it, does that happen on occasion? Sure, but it doesn't happen that much. And the fact is I've made this point. I, I honestly truly believe this. I think he is the best rebounder this team has had in decades. I, I go, I, I, I'm willing to even go all the way back to like the Mikhail Parrish years. And I know people will be like, what about KG? KG got rebounds, but KG wasn't, by the time he got to the Celtics, he wasn't that, you know, ferocious. No, he rebounder for the Celtics. Yeah, he wasn't ripped down 20 rebounds a game. And, and, and Cantor is without a doubt the best offensive rebounder the team has, you know, had in, in forever. And that's, those are, those are skills that, that matter. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that people say, Oh, you know, he sucks on defense. He can't do anything. Well, he rebounds and rebounding is part of defense. It's coaches always say, I mean, I know you've heard him say it a million times. Possession doesn't end until you have the ball. Well, how many times have we seen the Celtics, especially under Brad Stevens, play fantastic defense, force a shot, and then the other team rebounds it? And, and they get another shot at it, a second chance. And, and when that happens too many times, you start seeing the shoulders slump, the heads go down and everybody's kind of, you know, just like, man, we, we just, we're, we're there, but we just can't finish these possessions off. And Cantor, when he's in the game, allows them to do that. And I also think I'm not saying he's Rudy Gobert, but I don't think his defense has been nearly as bad as some people make it out to be. He's doing what they're asking him to do. They want him to drop back, play that, you know, extreme drop coverage. And is that going to work? against everybody no but is that going to work against enough teams fine especially where he's a second unit guy and then lastly the fact that they finally have a guy that when everything else is going going to crap offensively you can just dump it into him in the post and something good is probably going to come out of it at least you know for a couple of trips it's kind of everybody gets their footing and gets resettled in that's a that's a big thing to have too so I'm, i i just i don't get it at all i don't understand the whole you know this guy sucks and he's never going to play in the playoffs mindset because i just don't think it's true yeah i i think first of all the Celtics didn't sign him to be their starter. The Celtics signed him to come off the bench. Mm-hmm. They signed him to be part of a three-man rotation yep. down low. And one of those guys is out. And so they they work Grant Williams in from time to time. And and he does well in certain situations, but he doesn't always do well. Yep. And so um, I, I think that it's it, important to have perspective that there are situations that Ennis Cantor is playing in that he might not play in. Like the Washington Wizards game, when Ish Smith isolated him and burned him, and people are like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if they had a full complement of players, that might have been Robert Williams out yep. there. And so you could only play Daniel Tice so much. You could only play uh, Grant Williams so much. You're going to have to play Ennis Cantor. And – is Brad the type of guy that's always going to go and say, hey, let's run a bunch of post-ups? No, but that's what Ennis Cantor does. And if you're going to have him clogging the lane, which he does, he clogs the lane and doesn't allow for penetration, okay, fine. So then you dump it into him and you let him post and you say, we're going to make the best of a not-so-great situation. And you know what? He kind of scores fairly well in the post. 
and it's not always going to be great, but it's it's not the worst option for a second unit to dump it into Ennis Cantor in the post. And so, like you said, you add to that an elite skill of offensive rebounding, and now you've got a guy that's okay, and that's all I ever wanted him to be. He's okay. Yeah. He's not horrible. He doesn't suck. He's he's not a net negative out there, and and that's really the most important thing for the Celtics. So. I really hope that people can just chill out with Cantor. If if they got rid of him in a trade for an upgrade at center, fine. No one's going to cry about it. But I'm also not going to be like, we need to get rid of this guy because he's killing us. He's not. And I just, I, I hope people can just appreciate the Celtics making the most out of the situation that they're in with the injury and that Cantor is kind of really coming through. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. That's that's where I'm at. If all right, if Cantor's part of a bigger trade package to really bring in someone who's you know going to put this team over the top, okay, that's fine. That that's part of the reason I think why they were comfortable with giving him you know the entirety of the room exception because well, why not? You know, if, if that's where we're at. And I think that's part of the reason Daniel Tice got $5 million this year after coming off a minimum deal with a fully non-guaranteed year of $5 million next year. That's tradable. That, that was Danny Ainge's way. I think that's part of why Poirier got the 2.5 million. It was his way of looking at it and saying, all right, where I'm at right now with this roster is I've got Hayward and Kemba Walker on max contracts of 32.7 million apiece. I've got Marcus Smart in 12.5. No one else on this roster makes over $10 million. The, the next closest guy is Jason Tatum at 7.8 million. And obviously Tatum's not going anywhere. Brown's not going anywhere. So that leaves you with, we don't have crap to pile together to get these trades. Right. So he put those contracts together. Now what we're seeing is Tice at five million. That's easy money. That's that's great for him. What he's given this team. That's that's five million all day long. You look at Cantor four point seven and the room exception. Fine, no issue there. And I look at that and I say, when you put the two of them together, that's a nine nine point seven million dollar center. Yep, that's exactly what they are. Perfectly serviceable. Perfectly fine. Not everybody has to be an all star in every position, right. and that that's the hard thing. And 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 we saw what happened when when this team has too many mouths to feed. It's a problem. Tice is perfect with that starting group. He'll go games where what he takes two shots maybe all night, right. and he's just doing his thing. He's getting screens. He's doing those seals on drives. He's playing defense. Man, he's, he's doing his thing. Seals. I'm sorry. Oh man, ridiculous. He's no, so good it's at crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I liked uh, Jared Dudley replied to one of my tweets with like, I think this might be an offensive foul. But in, in the same time, he's like, this is really unselfish. So, hey, you know, and it's like, yeah, maybe you're right. I, I don't know. He doesn't get called for it all that often. So, um, yeah, so it's, you know, that's what it is. And then when I look at Cantor, what I made coming in, the, the comp I made coming in was Al Jefferson in his last couple years with the Hornets. He ate up second units. Just dump it into him against second unit centers. Nobody can handle him. And Cantor has nights like that. I think of that game against the Bulls a couple weeks ago. Daniel Gafford had nothing for him. Cantor just, you know, tore him up inside. Yeah. And it's like that, that's exactly what he can do. So yeah, I just, I, I don't, it, it, 
it bugs me when people get so focused on, well, you can't do this. Okay. But he's not paid to do that. You know, that's, you know, that, that's like, well, Kemba Walker doesn't block 10 shots a night. So I guess he sucks too. Like that doesn't make sense. It's all <laughs> it's paid to do. You know, it's, you know, let, let these guys be, do, do what they're paid to do. And that, and that's fine. And, and as you said, it's okay. And if, if it, if it's part of a bigger trade, that's fine. But I just, I, I have really come from thinking, yeah, maybe the big spot, something they got to do, uh, back in, you know, September, October to now. That's I, I I don't think that's the need. I think they're fine at center, especially if Robert Williams can get back, which is you know, we'll see, or if Poirier can come on and develop like like you talked about a little earlier, then that'd be great. And I think the Celtics would be absolutely fine. I, I'll keep going back to Kevin Arnovitz, who says um, center in the NBA right now is a mercenary position. There's mm-hmm. no need no need to spend a ton of money. That's why I I don't want anything to do with Andre Drummond. Like yeah. somebody's gonna give Andre God. Drummond too much money. And yep. Uh, what the Celtics have at their center spot, especially if Robert Williams can get healthy and he can contribute in spots, I'd rather package something up to get one of those three Bs if if they can. And if they can't, then so be it. But I'd rather go for something off the bench and and help the bench than try to upgrade the center spot because center spot's not hurting them. And yeah. that is... All the Celtics need. Ennis Cantor is not hurting the Celtics. Overall, maybe on some possessions, maybe in some quarters, maybe even in some full games, but in general, he is not hurting the Celtics. And when you throw in uh, Daniel Tice, when you throw in Grant Williams, they are perfectly acceptable in considering all of the strengths they have elsewhere. So... We'll leave it at that. We agree. We're going to take a break. We're going to come <laughs> back, and we'll talk a little bit about Kemba making the All-Star game. Stick around. Coming right back with more Locked On Celtics. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all of the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Celtics is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Celtics fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Boston Celtics fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Lockdown Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockdownPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help you and your team achieve Lockdown Advertising success. Once again, Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockdownpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to seeing Kemba Walker play in the All-Star game. I will be in Chicago for that, and hopefully we see more than one Celtic there. Uh, but today we know that Kemba Walker has been voted a starter for the um, the Eastern Conference. Well, whatever. He's, he's in the Eastern conference starter pool now that they've changed everything i don't even know how to say it anymore so 
Uh, yeah, I get confused with that too. Um, so the Kemba Walker is a starter so for t- Team LeBron or Team Giannis. So breaking it down in the Eastern Conference, uh, as far as guards go, Trey Young was the top vote getter for f- fans. Kyrie was the second vote getter and Kemba was third. But when you factor in the player voting and the media voting, Kemba was first in both of those. Kyrie was sixth in both of those. So Kemba's in. Trey Young, third in players, second in media, which is interesting to me, Keith, because all I heard in my discussions with media members about Trey Young was, uh, I don't know. I listen to podcasts with voting members. I talked to voting members as they passed through the garden. And all of them were like, yeah, I don't know about Trey. Like, I, I don't know if I can put him in. And here he is second in, in the media rankings. I, yeah, I was in the same boat. I had probably a lot of the same people we talked to. I'm starting to wonder, which I'm going to be curious to start hitting people up now that he, he did get voted in 47 total media votes. So obviously he was, you know, that's about half of what Kemba got from the media, but, but it was, you know, those two pretty far away and ahead. And I wonder if some people looked at it and said, well, once I got, got really looking at things, who else was I going to vote for? And and I wonder if that's what, what kind of factored in here because it seems like it probably maybe should have been Ben Simmons next. And then, you know, other than that, I, I, Kyrie hasn't played enough. Zach Levine's on a bad team. Not that Trey Young's on a terrible team, but, but Trey Young's n- numbers are just ridiculous. So I think that maybe is what factored in. And, and I guess I could kind of get that. What I think is cool though is, yo, know, Kemba got his due from his fellow players. Yes. 115 player votes. That was 50 more than, uh, than Trey Young. Uh, Bradley Beal was second in the player, player voting with 70. So, you know, he outpaced everybody there in the media voting. He, you know, did double, almost double what Trey Young got is he had 92. So, so I think that that's really cool as people really recognize, you know, what, what Kemp has done and what he's meant to this Boston team so far this year. And I, I think that that's, that's, that is really important. You know, I think when you start to factor this in, it's, it's not only, all right, well, the guy got in, but when you really look at it, it's, wow, this guy really got in. It was not unanimous, but, but it was about as close as you're going to get on that guard line. Yeah. Uh, so I, I totally agree. It's very cool to see that Kemba was getting that love from everybody. So Kemba and Trey are your starting guards, uh, along with, uh, in the West. Hold on, let me pull up the voting. I just lost it. Uh, in the West, it was... Uh, Doncic and Harden. Luka and, and Harden. Yeah, I should have just yep. guessed. I probably could have just guessed that. <laughs> right. Um, so those are the four guards. So now it's interesting. And I, I think part of what really screwed some of these guards uh, is the fact that uh, Jimmy Butler is a forward mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the voting. So um, I don't know why... They, they broke it down like that because I, I could have sworn that Jimmy Butler was mostly a starting guard for Miami, but this, this impacts a lot because if, if Butler, now that Butler's not in there and I might have, I'm sure Butler would have probably been the starter considering that he was fourth amongst forwards. Yeah. That would have bumped Trey Young down to the bench. And then I, then I don't know. Then I don't know what happens from there. Because if Trey gets bumped down to the bench, I mean, what do the coaches do? Cause coaches value the winning more yeah. than players in the media. So 
maybe he's out. And now that, that changes a lot of this dynamic. I wonder if Ben Simmons, like, I think he's going to get in, but like Bradley Beal should get in and Kyle Lowry should get in. And what are they going to do with Kyrie Irving? What are they going to do with Derrick Rose? Derrick Rose was fourth in the guard voting. Uh, it, it really makes things uh, really, really interesting. And, and bringing it back to the Celtics thing, they listed Jalen Brown as a guard, which I do not see him as a guard at all. And I think that hurt him in the voting. Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to to the positional stuff. I, it's almost getting to be where, right, they, they changed it where, I don't know how many years, in four or five years now into it's the front court. They got rid of the center position. But I, I almost think of the NBA, I, it's funny, this is one of the things, Brad Stevens, I remember when he first came to the NBA, he said, well, I don't think of positions that way. I think of it as ball handlers, wings, and bigs. Yep. And then everybody, and then swings and, you know, the guys who can play you bastard, play you took my point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, man. No, that's and good. Then, I'm glad you made it. We're on the same page. Right. I start to think of is that really kind of how it should be, right? Right. Is there, there's, you know, um, you know, should, should you have the, the ball handlers and then bigs and then, then, then wings? Cause that, that really is. And that's more how teams are playing now. And I'm not saying Brad Stevens created that or anything. No. I just think his parlance makes a lot of sense there. And that's because when I look at Jimmy Butler, so, so one of the things I do because, because I do a lot of the cap and I live in this roster world, I look at the box scores every single day. And I part of, part of one of my duties is I update the depth charts every day. Well, in all fairness, the Miami Heat, every single game lists Jimmy Butler as the starting small forward and Duncan Robinson as a starting two guard. It doesn't matter. That's not what they are. They're they're interchangeable. I mean, Duncan Robinson's as much a two guard, much a guard as he is, you know, as he is a, you know, center at this point. He's just a wing, you know, and that's what Butler is too. And that's where I think you, you, we got to start to maybe think about it a little differently as the game changes a little more or, or, you know, do you transition it to, should there be three guard slash wing spots and only two front court spots? Like, again, no, that's moving away from the tradition of the way the NBA was. You know, probably when you and I started following it, where there was a center, two forwards, and two guards, and that's how everybody played. Well, that's not how teams play anymore. A lot of these teams are switching to almost the Celtics model of one big, one ball handler, and then three interchangeable guys that are basically the same exact size. Right. And that's with Jalen Brown. Yeah, is he a guard? Well, I mean, I guess so. That tends to be more what he's listed at as in the lineups with Hayward and Tatum as the forwards. But those three guys are exactly the same thing in the construct of way Boston plays. So so that's where it gets, gets kind of tough because, yeah, it makes it really hard for these guys to break into some of these lines. And then – then you get into the whole later, which is far more important to me, is the All NBA, yes. and that becomes where then the league. We've seen the league step in and give guidance over the years as far as this player is this, or you can vote for this player at this position and this position to give to give I think the the voters a little more flexibility because I think that's more important. They're really trying to get that that one right. It is, but at the same time, I hate seeing a guy like Jimmy Butler. Well, he got he got this many votes at guard and this many votes at forward because yeah. everybody's trying to rejigger uh, everything and, and try to make fair. things work. Which I mean, I, I'm in that situation too myself, so I, I can understand and appreciate like how do I classify players so I can maximize the talent on this team. So I, I am fully in favor of changing it even further and doing. 
your your bigs, your ball handlers, and your wings. And that just so your ball handlers are your point guards, the obvious point guards. And I think we've got a, a pretty good list of point guards on this list. And and then the bigs are obvious, the fives are the fives. And then everybody yep. else is in the same kind of category. So are we going to avoid all of these problems by doing that? No, but I think it just kind of meshes with today's NBA. So now we're left with, as far as the Celtics are concerned, Kemba and who? Do the Celtics get two? Do the Celtics get three? Uh, does their their record now matter? And now that they're fourth, does that mean, well, now they definitely don't need three? Uh did and and really my my biggest question is has Jalen Brown's January where he's kind of fallen off like he's had some big games but then some of his efficiency has fallen off and he's missed some games has that cost him a spot on the All Star team? Yeah, I think it might be that last part. I think it's missing the games that might end up hurting him, and and that, that could be tough, because he missed a few early in the year, and now he's missed what is it, if he doesn't, or he's missed four of the last five, I think it is, and, you know, he's questionable for, for Friday night in Orlando, so we'll see what happens there, and I, th- I think that could be what becomes the difference for some of the coaches. I think it's going to be hard for them, for the coaches to look and say, alright, we can give them, you know, three, because then you start to say, well, you know, who 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 are we leaving off here from from other teams around the league because around the conference rather because that that's where it gets really tricky. So I I I think it's going to be Tatum or Brown, and then I think what happens is if 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 the third guy gets in, it's as some form of injury replacement or something like that yeah. if the need be because that you know I think that would make sense and I think that would be be fair and I do think they're. Even though the coaches don't vote this way, I do think there is probably some influence on them, whether the league places it on them or not, or it's just the coaches look at it. I think they might look at it and say, all right, is a tiebreaker? Well, you know, Tatum was closer to being voted in by the fans, the media, and the players. So, all right, I can, you know, give my nod there from trying to decide between the two of them. And then the other factor is obviously is always going to be the defense. And it's not that Jalen Brown's not a terrific defender because he is, but I think Tatum's starting to hit that level of this guy could push for all defense. And, uh, and I think that for the coaches means a heck of a lot more than it does for, for fans, players, and media. Yeah, I think th- those are the points that uh, I, I agree. Um, I think that Tatum, I, I, I think Tatum is taking the, a step forward in January where Jalen is just taking a, a slight step back. I think Trey Young making it as a starter kind of screws it all up. Yeah, because yeah, it definitely could. You know, yeah. if if because I don't know if he doesn't make it as a starter, like I said before, I don't know that he makes it at all. And if you can leave him off, if it's hey, do we pick Jalen Brown or Trey Young? And we say, well, the Celtics at this point have won thirty something games, and they're competing for the second seed in the East versus Atlanta being the worst team in the league. Maybe coaches who are selecting this say we're going to go with the with the kid that is playing well for a good team and Trey is good enough where once his team gets better and he starts making his team better and he's not such a liability on defense which is part of his team's problem then we we can vote him in but now Trey's in 
So that bumps somebody off. And I, I really do think that it becomes like Jalen Brown that, that gets bumped off. And, and, and you're right. If somebody goes down with a sprained ankle or if Kyrie Irving is voted in, but then pulls out, then maybe Jalen slides in that way. Although we know that if Kyrie Irving gets named to the all-star game, he's not pulling out. <laughs> yeah, probably not. It's not a not a regular season game in Boston or Cleveland, so <laughs> he's probably going to show up. I, I would say too. I think there is always just a little bit in the back of the mind of of uh, the coaches when they vote is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are twenty one and twenty three or whatever they are. they're young, and I think there is sometimes well this might be this guy's last chance, so I'm going to give my vote there. And make sure that guy guy gets that one sure. last all star appearance versus these guys have time they'll they'll be there you know they'll they'll make it later and that's you know and that is that faulty thinking to some extent you know but I, I get it it's you know it's a game for the fans and and that goes back to just not to get all the way back into the voting too I'm even in proponent too if they ever wanted to try just for one year just vote your top five there's no positions who cares. It's an all-star game, you know, because that's going to be what happens. I mean, we see that every year in the game anyway. The coaches will throw all five centers or they'll play five guards together. And, you know, so I would be in favor of that. Just let's see the best best ten guys. You know, let's see the best ten, ten guys start. And then, you know, we don't – we just – we pick it. Because it's it's not a real game. It doesn't have to look like a real game either. Sure. So that's just, you know, kind of just – that was floating around in my head and I wanted to get that thought out there. Yeah, sure. We always want to get those, those thoughts that are floating out. <laughs> uh, I agree. This is the – and I'll make this my final point. This is the, the tough part of this discussion where what's the balance between it's a meaningless all-star game. No one cares that it's, you know, whatever. Like, it, it doesn't mean much. But versus career resume, yep. multiple-time all-stars matter. Like, when we talk about player X retiring, is he a Hall of Fame candidate? One of the first things we say is, well, he's an eight-time all-star, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's an easy way to say he's been so good that he's made this many all-star games. And I, I just feel like there's some bit of, well, the game has changed, so we, we, we should find a way to get the best 10 players in there. But, you know, positions do matter in some, some respect. And, when it comes time to evaluate somebody's case or maybe even uh, roster or contract bonuses, like there, there are things there where, where this matters more than just, Hey, let's watch these guys kind of play 20% defense and catch a bunch of values. Yeah. My, my thought has been for a long time on the all-star game is, is uh, the all-star game itself does not matter. Making the all-star game does. Yeah. And that, that's, that's it for me. It is important because that is exactly what we go to is, all right, these guys, like it, I've done it too. You know, if I pull it up, wow, man, this guy made, you know, 10 all-star games. I look at basketball reference and it's right there with the little stars it's next the to them. And it's, like and it's the there. Yeah. You go to the yep. top of Kemba Walker's page, and right there to the right is a bar that says 4X All-Star, or 3X yep. All-Star, I will say 4. Like, it, it's, so it's, it's very easy to, that's like the first thing. 
Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that, 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 you know, and I, and, you know, cause it's funny. I actually have Kemba's page up now because it's right about him earlier. And, and then right next to that is all NBA selections. And I think, think that's, you know, that, that's where, you know, it, it's so hard though, because all NBA, it comes for a lot of people after. So a lot of the people, for guys like me and you, we care about that. But I think for a lot of people, it's, that's after the season, and now this stupid award ceremony comes, you know, yeah, closer yeah. to my birthday in the middle of the summer than it does any other time. It's I think people don't care because by then the season's over and they've moved on to whatever's next, or you know, the off season or whatever it is. We're all star. It's right smack in the middle. Nothing else is going on in the sports world yet, so everybody's you know pumped for that to come. So yeah, that, that's that's tough. It, that's why again I say you know just to repeat. It matters to, to, to make it. The game itself, I don't really care about that. I, I, I'll have it on and, you know, be doing whatever else that night, but, but making it still really does matter. Yeah. You know, I think people care about All Star because there's a game attached to it. Yep. And you see it. Like, it's not just like if, if they had, if you flip it and in the middle of the season they named the All Stars and didn't play a game, but at the end of the year they played an all NBA game, that, that would matter. In people's minds. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that would, because there's a game and people put on uniforms and people write stories like, oh, look at the uniforms. Hey, let's rank the all-star uniforms and we're going to the city and it's a big party and there's a dunk contest and a three-point contest and it's a big, big event. It sticks out in people's minds. And so yeah. the event, the pageantry and all of it makes it matter more to people when, like you said, to me and you, all NBA matters a lot more because that takes the full season into account. People, we're judging all stars on 40 games, you know, and, and a guy could be an all star and then shit the bed the rest of the season. Yeah. Yep. You know, it, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but like it's possible and he could not have a great year and not make an all NBA team. So that happens and, all the time. and we've seen the opposite, right? We've seen guys not make the all-star team and then make a massive push in the second right. half and make all NBA. Right. And that's, you know, and that's, that's, that's the, the other thing too. And just my last thought on the all-star game is if NBA regular season rosters are now 13 active players, have yes. 13 active players yes. in the all-star game. And I don't even care if you want to do what they did last year and there are two legend spots. And you, you give, you award those every year to two legends of the game that are, you know, towards the end of their, their career. We know for certain they're retiring. I don't care if that's the way they do it. That's fine. That's, that, that's okay. You know, now that gets a little complicated when it's like, well, Dirk and Wade made the all-star game. Do I count those when I count them? They made enough of them anyway to become legends. One more is doesn't matter in the counting anyway. They're first ballot hall of famers. So let's just, you know, I'll move on. And, you know, and if that's how you want to do it, and if there aren't two guys like that, then just have 13 and put 13 guys in. Cause if you wanted to mimic a real game, well then make it mimic a real game and have 13 active players on each team. I, I had the exact same thought with a twist instead of that 13th spot being a legend spot. I want that 13th spot to be a showcase spot. Sure. So like I want John Morant in the all-star game and you take, you, you take advantage of, the weekend, the pageantry and all that stuff that makes it matter, like I said, and then you put John Morant out there and have people learn his name and see him and have him do cool dunks. And, you know, and, and that would be the spot for Trey Young. And so the one through 12, 
you don't have to put Trey Young there. I mean, he, he got the fan vote, so it's moot, but you know, that would be a place where a guy like him could make it if he wasn't voted in. But that would be my, my case because if we're building up this sport and we're building up the ratings and we're building up the excitement for the future, take two guys that are really out there making a name for themselves, possibly in a small market where casual fans might not know them, put them in a 13th spot, uh, showcase spot, and get them into the actual all-star game, uh, I think that would be worth it. Yeah, I like that idea. That's how you could have got Luke in last year, right? Yeah, he exactly. Could, he didn't exactly. get in last year. Yeah, no, I think th- that's pretty, pretty great. I Yeah, I, I like that idea too. I just, again, third, 13 guys, add, add another spot. It's not, not going to hurt anybody. Let's, you know, let's let's get, you know, because the reality is there's more than 24 deserving guys every year. Yeah. And the argument then becomes, oh, well, this guy should have made it. And I live by the... Who are you taking off? You know, right. you got to take somebody out if somebody else is going. And the vast majority of times, I get a lot of people like, well, I don't really have anybody I want to take off. Right. All right. Well, that's fair. So let's let's add one more spot on each side and, and go. All right. Good stuff, man. Keith, thanks for uh, hopping on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, if anybody wants to. Uh, follow Keith. Uh, you want to list off all the places they can find you again? <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. You can find my Celtics specific coverage at Celtics blog part of SB Nation. You can find uh, some of my work at realgm.com, uh, salary cap, roster specific stuff at Yahoo Sports. And that's 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 about it for right now. Those, those are the places I'm focused on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, Keith, thanks very much for joining the podcast. Everybody, subscribe if you haven't. And if you have subscribed five star rating and a good review and share the podcast tell your friends to listen to the lockdown selfish podcast here on the lockdown podcast network